Please listen carefully. Hey, folks! Welcome to another episode of CrossFit Kana Radio. This is Chris Plentis, and today we have Jen Fugo, who is a clinical nutritionist and founder of Gluten Free School. Um, we go through a lot in this interview, from how she went from fashion design to clinical nutritionist. We talk about her personal struggle with food sensitivities and figuring out how to resolve those. Uh, we talk about her epic uh, protein shake and everything that goes into it. We talk about how even now she is working through healing her eczema by changing her food. And how the gut affects your skin in general. Uh, we talk about this thing called leaky gut and autoimmune, autoimmune diseases, uh, and basically how to uh, restore your immune system. We talk about navigating eating healthy with family and working through social situations, which I know a lot of you are uh, either going through or have gone through in the past. And then we also talk about gluten-free snacks and treats and uh, what her thoughts are on those. So there's a lot of little nuggets in here. Sometimes it can get a, a bit geeked out on the uh, science terms, but just bear with it. And hopefully you get some useful tidbits out of today's episode. If you find that you have questions during the episode, jot them down and then either email them to us or tag us on social media using hashtag Kana questions, K-A-N-N-A questions, and we will look for that hashtag and uh, respond to those questions either in future podcast episodes or we will get back to you on social media. So without further ado, here's Jen Fugo from Gluten Free School. Hey everyone, this is Chris Fuentes with Cross the Kana Radio, and today I have a special guest, Jen Fugo. Hi Jen. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here, uh, or at least chatting over Skype. <laughs> um, can you, uh, for our listeners, give a uh, quick intro, just uh, for those of them who don't know you, um, maybe a little bit of the background. We'll, we'll dive deeper into your background, but um, yeah, a quick introduction would be great. Yeah, so I'm a clinical nutritionist, and I, gosh, you and I, Chris, met a long time ago at CrossFit KOP when you were a coach, and um, so we've known each other a long time, and I founded a website called Gluten Free School back in 2011, which has become a pretty big website at this point, and it helps teach women, but there are some really amazing men that follow gluten-free school, how to make a gluten-free lifestyle easy as well as practical and healthy, and then how to understand the health challenges that also come along with people who tend to have gluten sensitivity, celiac disease, other autoimmune diseases that see, that are oftentimes helped by going gluten-free, um, and just kind of getting the lifestyle down to a point where you feel normal and it can feel a lot more fun and enjoyable. So that's what I do. And I live in the area, so I'm not far. And yeah, that's how, that's how we, uh, we've, we've come, we've met and what I do. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, back in, what was it? 2012, we went down to Austin, Texas together and, uh, spent some time at paleo FX, one of the, um, health conferences. I was going to say, it's crazy. It's been that long. Uh, yeah, I was just doing that math, and um, that that seems it, it 
longer than it should be, but yeah. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll circle back around to obviously what you do, uh, but I thought we could start with some easy um, questions, just some quick questions. So, you know, it, the answers could be as short or as long as you want. Um, but when you were little, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I wanted to be, I think I actually wanted to be like a fashion designer, which I did have a brief career kind of in that. I did go Mm, to, uh, I have a bachelor's degree in fashion design from Parsons in New York. So I actually did, I did see that through. I just realized when I got to like the end of my studies that I really wasn't going to make, I know this sounds cheesy, but I wasn't going to make the world a better place. So that was sort of why I realized fashion wasn't quite the thing for me. Interesting. We'll, we'll come back to that for your career path. But, um, okay. Um, next question is, what is your morning routine? Mm, I get up. Um, I usually... Yeah, and be, and be as specific. <laughs> be as specific. I go to the bathroom. I look for articles about Game of Thrones, to be entirely honest with you. Did you watch the finale? I did. I did. Right. So I'm waiting for more ana- more analytical articles to come out, because that's what I spend most of my my, my early morning week doing. Um, and then... Either I'll like do something where I might have a client. Sometimes I have early morning clients. Other times I'll try and get to the gym. Um, and then I typically will have like a protein shake for breakfast and mm-hmm. um, play with my cats, try and get myself organized and ready to like sit down and write or work on tech stuff or meet with different staff members, strategize, that kind of stuff. So, Got it. And uh, is coffee involved in your routine? No, I show up like this, caffeine-free. Interesting. So you don't drink coffee at all? No, I never liked the flavor of coffee. And I don't even drink any caffeinated teas either. Everything is decaf. Okay, I like it. Um, What is your favorite food or like a go-to meal? Ooh, um, I would say probably something Mexican. Um, I love avocados. I used to Mm -hmm. hate avocados. I thought they were gross because they were green. And then I don't know what happened. My flavor palette has switched. Um, so I love avocados. Those are great. I really like, I, I, I would say that I try not to have like a favorite food because there's so many amazing different foods like seasonally because we live in this area where there's just such an abundance of seasonally specific foods. Like right now it's like peaches and tomatoes and stuff. So I, I really try to enjoy what, with the exception of corn, I just, I, my, it comes in looking the same way it exits. So I just don't, <laughs> I just personally don't <laughs> eat actual corn on the cob i just don't but um (laughs) that's the only seasonal food i i really won't eat but the rest of it i i enjoy i love going to the farmer's market um and i would say probably mexican ish or italian somewhere in between got it i like it um so let's circle back to i don't know if you want to jump back into the fashion design or you know, I, I kind of want to get a sense of the decision-making process and the evolution of, of getting into gluten-free school because, uh, I mean, I, I know your story, but uh, if you want to share, you know, 
where you were in life, what you were doing, um, how you figured out that, um, basically the story of how you got to be running gluten-free school and, and what your personal story is with, with food and, and gluten. Yeah, so I come from an Italian background, and um, another tidbit about me you should know is my dad is a, a medical doctor and an eye surgeon, so you know, I have this just per, even just a personal experience with the world of medicine, conventional medicine that is. And then I would say I always really felt like leaving the world in a better state than which I found it was very important. Like ever since I was a little kid, I have a very clear sense of what's right and what's wrong. And I have a very hard time, I guess, deviating from that. So maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know, but I really always try to be a person of my word and follow through with things. Um, so I ended up, um, I really love, I have a very creative side, but I also love, um, I, I actually really like biochemistry, believe it or not, um, for some reason. And, uh, but I think that the creativity helps me problem solve with health things. So I was able to just cultivate that for many years of my life. And, um, to be honest with you, September 11th is what really kind of drew that design, um, portion of my life to a close, or it was the, at least the beginning of the end for that. I was in my senior year. That was how it started. And, um, the fashion industry really kind of collapsed to some degree after that. So there weren't many jobs and I just didn't feel like that was, I was really going to make people happy. So I actually spent, um, a number of years being a manager of a like hip hop jazz fusion group called grandfather ridiculous. I was the, their manager, the tour manager. I know I've done a lot of strange things. I liked that it made people happy. You know, the people would leave the concerts and they were happy. And then I had also, on the side, to, to supplement my income, went home to work for my dad. So I ended up working at my dad's medical practice for about 10 to 12 years. And I got to see just how sick people were. And um, again, I'm Italian, so I ate my fair share every day of pasta and bread and pizza and all that gluten-y stuff. And um, when I was 27, I really started to have a lot of significant stomach problems that I had no idea that there was anything wrong with them. And um, it started to trickle down into becoming like um, really bad headaches. I had rashes all over my, my arms and my legs. I was getting um, like colds every six weeks or so. I, so I had like really no good immunity in a sense. Um, I just felt terrible. I was fatigued. I would sleep like 11 hours at night and couldn't wake up and felt drugged. So generally speaking, I just at 27 felt like I was 60 and it just didn't seem right. No matter what doctors I saw, they said that I was fine. Take some B vitamins, stop working out so much. I mean, I was, I was an avid road cyclist at the time. And I just remember like riding through Valley Forge and being like, Oh God, I need a bathroom. <laughs> you know, like mm -hmm. my stomach would flip even though I only had uh, oatmeal or mm -hmm. um, granola. It didn't matter. All of a sudden I had to go right then and there. And it was, it was usually pretty bad. So, um, anyway, long story short, I fortunately found a nutritionist that listened to me and, um, I, she said, take gluten out and within three days. I felt a lot better. Not 100%, but a lot better. And so we did food sensitivity, and it turned out, and this will explain why I have a protein shake for breakfast, that um, I'm really highly sensitive to eggs, both the egg and the egg yolk and the white. 
And I also am sensitive to casein, which is the protein found in all dairy. And then gluten and the cruciferous family, which is all those dark leafy greens. Everybody says to eat like kale, which I hate. And then, um, <laughs> and then the cashew family, which is cashews, pistachios, and mangoes. So I had quite a bit of stuff to pull out as someone who like basically ate a pretty standard Italian American diet. And um, I'll be honest, when I finally figured it out, because it was a long journey, this was back in 2008, my life really changed and became very food focused. Um, my health really changed. And I also happened to lose like almost 20 pounds. It was not fat. I do want to be clear. It was inflammation. And I have like a great before and after picture on my website that you can see just my face. Cause I, I know people can fake those before and after photos. You can't fake inflammation throughout your system. Um, you know, when it's just your face and everything are super duper puffy and, um, everything really changed from there. And I started getting referrals from doctors to help coach their clients on how to go gluten-free, um, how to go soy-free. Like I just really became tuned into that community of like, how do you help somebody when food sort of becomes the enemy? And, um, and so gluten-free school was my way of hoping to make the journey easier for somebody else because a lot of the information was wrong or it was confusing um, or it was just too difficult to follow. I mean, a lot of gluten, if anybody has ever picked up a gluten-free cookbook, just straight gluten-free, not paleo, you'll find that like a recipe will consist of 25 ingredients. Like who the heck is going to make something with 25 ingredients? It's insane. So mm -hmm. it was just too hard. And that was my whole goal behind it. And eventually, um, about three or so years ago, I decided that I wanted to go back for a master's in clinical nutrition. And Chris, you're actually going to love this. So I befriended one of Rob Wolf's like right hand uh, guys and um, I'd stayed in touch with them. And, and I was looking for a school and I was trying to find some place because I didn't want to go to like just study nutrition and have to learn the food pyramid and, and then have to spend right. all this time unlearning it. And on right. Rob's website, I found um, some sort of resource about schools that offered degree, that were degree programs that offered um, the, the school, the education from a more like functional or um, integrative perspective. And that's where I found out about the University of Bridgeport which is funny because I live in Bridgeport you, right? <laughs> and people think they're like, wait, there's a university in Bridgeport. I'm like, no, Bridgeport, Connecticut. No. <laughs> but, um, I went there and I, and it was an online um, program. It was very intense, but it was fantastic. And, uh, I completed it last year and I'm, I am so glad. I wish I had known about it years ago. And so I, I actually told, um, I had, I had written, uh, Chris over at Rob's team and I was just like, by the way, I just wanted to let you know that like that resource was so helpful because it's completely changed my life and everything. So, um, you know, Rob Wolf's website has been really helpful to me and, and they're, they're a great group of people. So, um, I feel lucky that I, I have the opportunity to be able to be in touch with them. But, um, yeah, so I, I got my master's in clinical nutrition and I see clients that have chronic digestive issues, um, like IBS type issues where, especially with like, oh gosh, we're going to go into poop now. So just brace yourself. Like we should put like a poop warning across here because that's all I talk about all day. But basically I help people that have like really bad diarrhea and it it's to the point where, like I said, like I was on a bike ride and all of a sudden I got to go, like it can start to control your life. And 
you're essentially kicking out, and we can talk more about this if you want, just about like what the effect is of having issues where your food and everything else are not transiting through your digestive system at an appropriate speed and then the really long-term consequences of that because I don't I wish I had known that I had really bad diarrhea since I was a young teenager so I had had that for over 10 years maybe even close to 15 years before it finally was addressed and it, it is a really serious problem it's not just IBS there are other things that people need to consider and um, by addressing them appropriately it can completely change somebody's life many times over so at least now I feel like I'm in line with that goal of try of actually leaving the world in a better place <laughs> yeah absolutely so so basically you really weren't feeling well since you were a teenager but you didn't realize that was abnormal or that was um, that that could be fixed. No, I mean, so I thought you I thought, were in your late 20s. Right. Well, I even in high school, I was taking Tylenol every single day for headaches. Headaches are one of my symptoms when I get exposed to gluten. So I don't mm -hmm. I can tell you that it was sometime in my early teens. But to be honest with you, it is possible that I had these problems even younger in life. I just. I don't remember. It was normal. I mean, I'm used to like relatives like running to the bathroom. Like I just thought right. I have stomach problems. It's normal. Right. Well, we yeah, and and that actually totally makes sense. When we did a, um, uh, I mean, it was a paleo challenge, but we, you know, we ended up taking gluten and a number of other things out. Um, I distinctly remember Kristen had migraines weekly, and when we did that uh, a challenge. Uh, they went away and it was like flipping a switch. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and so that was a, that was a huge sign. Um, just uh, going back to your morning routine, because I'm out of curiosity. So what is your protein shake made out of? I usually blend, <laughs> I usually blend things. I'm on this kick now where after all these years, I finally realized I should probably like put out my little Tupperware containers in the one day and like just put all the scoops in so I can dump it and be faster in the morning into the, the blender and go. Um, mm -hmm. So that's been like a new thing over the last two weeks. But what is in my protein shake right now is a GI detox. And I don't, by the way, I just to be clear, I don't, believe that you can detoxify your GI tract, but that's just what the protein powder is called. So it's partially like a liver detox. Um, it has a lot of herbs that are for detoxification and other factors and nutrients for it. But that's why it's a G it's specific for people that have gut issues. So GI detox, um, I mix that with some um, uh, beef, the hydrolyzed beef protein. Uh, I know that sounds gross, but it's actually pretty good. Yeah. And the one thing that's nice is for people that have digestive, chronic digestive issues, the amino acids are all, so amino acids are like the little building blocks of proteins. And if you want to imagine them as Legos, it's like having a blob of Legos and you, each little Lego you pull off is a different amino acid. And so right. all those amino acids are pulled apart. So there's literally, you don't need stomach acid. You don't need, um, the enzymes that break down protein, you don't need anything. It's just fully absorbable the way that it is. So I use that. I use two separate greens powders. I mix them because one is chocolate and the other is mocha. So I finally, like, I can do a little bit of mocha, and I like that flavor, but I still don't like coffee. Coffee, it's just not my thing. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I also do some collagen 
and L-glutamine. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I do it acacia fiber, which I really like because it doesn't cause gas and it's not grainy. It melts, it sort of like dissolves in whatever liquid that you put it into and it's really inexpensive. You can get like a big tub of it for like 13 bucks. Um, and then what else? I usually put some sort of fruit, like a cup. Like right now I'm using frozen peaches from the, the farmer's market and a cup and a quarter of just filtered water. So that's pretty much. And then once every few days I'll use this um, probiotic that is in a powdered form. Um, you can't dump, like some uh, supplements you can add to a smoothie because I can't swallow pills. So I'm really good. I've I'm, I'm like the perfect person. If a client can't swallow pills, I, I will absolutely find a way to help you figure out what you can and can't take and what you can dump into your shake or get a liquid form or whatever, because I can't swallow pills. But mm -hmm. um, probiotics, you can't just open up the capsules. The capsule is, in, is meant to protect the bacteria through right. the stomach. And right. so this... Um, type of probiotic that I get from Claire Labs. It's expensive and it must stay refrigerated, but the bacteria are, are coated so that they can make it through the stomach into the small intestine. It's pretty potent. I think it's like 125 billion CFUs. So it's a really potent mm. Um, mm. thing. So I only do it like every three days. It's like a quarter of a teaspoon scoop. Um, I do half of a, a really great, um, multivitamin from pure encapsulations called, I think it's one multivitamin. <laughs> um, and, uh, a little bit of a methylated B vitamin just to add some extra Bs and a couple of extra, um, there are amino acid caps that capsules that are meant to help the different, um, phase two, uh, detoxification pathways in your liver. Cause I just find it helps me balance my, um, my hormones a little bit better. But aside from that, that's it. I know it sounds like a lot, it's a lot of powders and stuff, but the reality of it is, and this is what I always tell people, look, every but one of us unfortunately has like a weak point in our health. Mine is my gut. I've had eczema and a bunch of other problems even after I went gluten-free. And doing this specific regimen has helped me get rid of the eczema that I had on my hands that really deformed it. Like I had to stop going to CrossFit and stop going to the gym last summer because my hand, my one hand got so covered in eczema that I couldn't wash my hand anymore. So I couldn't do things that would cause my hands to get dirty. And that really mm. sucks. Again, this is about like giving people their freedom back, you know, whether it's freedom from the bathroom or just being able to go to the gym because you can touch things. And right. um, by doing this specific regimen, it takes time. You know, your body takes time to heal. I've actually gotten myself to the point where I have some like occasional little bumps, which will go away on their own. I can wash my hands now. I don't have to be afraid of what I'm going to touch. My skin's not going to crack open. Um, my finger doesn't, the middle finger, ironically, was the one that really got it affected a lot and it no longer looks all mangled and stuff. Like I've actually been through doing this because I'm doing a protocol myself, has been slowly getting rid of the eczema that I had that no doc, every doctor was like, you're just going to have to take steroids. I don't know what to tell you. I was like, well, that's not good enough. It's 2017 so, people. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I think it's important for people to realize that, you know, it, it's a journey of discovering what works for you as an individual. Yeah. Um, and that not everything that works uh, for someone is going to work for you, right? So you're going through this protocol. You've been uh, obviously doing this um, and teaching people for years, but even 
this day, you are still figuring out what you need to get done for yourself. Um, so what, what does that protocol look like? Like what, what has changed to, um, to hopefully get rid of the eczema? Basically, it was just a matter of addressing my gut. I know it doesn't make sense to some people because they're like, wait, you have skin problems. Like, why on earth are you focused on your gut? But the reality is that many chronic skin conditions like eczema, psoriasis, um, chronic dermatitis, even hives that you can't pinpoint. So, you know, you're like, gosh, I get these hives all over my arms and they just come on. I don't know what happened. I don't know what I'm allergic to. You go to the allergist and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm allergic to. Like, I have no idea. It's, it's not something that's clear. Um, or you just have these like general weird rashes places. Um, it's gut. It's usually an issue with gut, um, in some way, shape or form, whether it's food that you're sensitive to that you're consuming. I already know what foods I'm sensitive to, so I don't have to worry about that. Like I don't cheat around gluten or anything. Like I, I live as if I have celiac disease. I was never diagnosed, but because I was gluten-free for too long before I could go get tested and actually knew that that was important to do that. But mm -hmm. um, I live as if I do have it. So I'm very careful with my food, my food products, when I go out to eat, etc. Um, so I'm already doing the food sensitivity part of it. But then there's also like, okay, do you have any environmental allergens, allergies that, you know, it could be even things like perfumes or, uh, you know, toxic odors or chemicals that you're exposed to, or it could just be things like pet dander. Um, it can be things that show, you know, a lot of people discount too, like if they're sensitive to gluten, they'll, they don't think it matters what like lotions they use and um, shampoos and stuff. And I, I certainly don't mean to make people paranoid because I don't think that people need to be any more stressed out than they already are. But mm. if you have a problem with gluten, you have to realize that like, you don't wash your hands after you put lotion on yourself. That's on your hands. There's a really good chance that you're not going to think about what happens when you handle your food. You don't wash your hands before you handle food. If you like just got out of the shower and put some lotion on, like you feel like you're clean. Um, you don't realize right. that you may accidentally put your hands in your mouth. Um, and so, you know, you do have to be careful and cautious with things like that. Um, but also too, uh, then you've got on top of that, you've got things like nickel. If you've gotten rashes in the past from wearing really cheap jewelry, there's a very good likelihood that you are sensitive to nickel. And there's a lot of nickel mm. in naturally gluten-free foods. So that's another problem. If you are consuming a lot of nickel in your diet and you're sensitive to it. And then lastly, you can have gut infections and a gut infection will cause things to happen that don't make any sense because symptomatically you're like, well, it's on my skin. What does it have to do with what's in my digestive system? But the, di the gut infections cause all sorts of inflammation. Um, they contribute to leaky gut uh, where the gut lining essentially like if you think of your digestive tract as like a hose it's like somebody pokes a bunch of uh it's not exactly but you could think of it as if somebody punctured it a bunch of times and then you have these right. leaks right. everywhere it's just more so that the junctions between the cells are not tight anymore and it makes it easy for undigested proteins and such to slip into the body alarming um the immune system essentially but um you know, their toxic waste is also a problem because everything produces waste. So by addressing what's in the gut, it can change things. I didn't 
change anything in my diet. All I did was add things in that were going to be very helpful to rebuilding the gut. And that's what I've been consistently doing for a bit over a year now. And, you know, to all the people out there that are like, oh, you can't heal your eczema. Well, guess what? I pretty much have healed my eczema and I did it through the gut. So if that's like life shattering or eye opening for anyone listening, I hope that you'll reconsider how you're looking at your skin because your skin is a direct reflection of what's going on. And when things are living in spots where they shouldn't, and especially there's an, if there's an imbalance of bacteria that shouldn't be there, or you're consuming foods that are causing a problem um, that your body can't tolerate for whatever reason, um, it's going to show up in funny ways and it can absolutely cause major skin problems, which can obviously keep you from the gym. Sure. Well, the the skin is an organ. So uh, there's, you know, I mean, we can dive way into all sorts of gut brain axis and gut skin axis. Um, I mean, I, personally, I can attest to the gut and the skin um, axis in terms of if I eat uh, gluten and or usually gluten, but sometimes and dairy, um, I'll get acne. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's a really common, um, you know, side effect that I see with a lot of people. And personally, that happens. So I just I know that's going to be that would happen. Um, and it's usually in the same exact spots too. Yep. So um, it's, it's very clear that there's a connection there. So there was, there's a lot in there. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, can, can you just backtrack to yeah. this idea of inflammation? Because I think it's something that when people hear the word, uh, they think of something very, dramatic and very acute and visible, but um, I feel like, I feel like people realize what it, what it means when they do um, some sort of either nutrition challenge or start cleaning up their diet or whatnot. And then they look back at pictures and whatnot and see, and it looks like they've lost weight. Um, but it's usually them lowering inflammation like you had talked about. Can you, can you talk about that more? Um, like what inflammation is versus like that versus losing fat, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So the inflammation, as Chris mentioned, there's kind of two different types. You've got the type where if like you sprain your ankle and it blows up, right? Your body is creating, it's intentionally creating inflammation in order to help stabilize that joint and protect it from further injury. So there's a whole process of a more acute situation that is important and is an important part of the healing process. But there's another part of inflammation. They just, you know, essentially functional medicine will call it silent inflammation, where you have these underlying problems that are going on for a very long time, triggering the immune system, um, essentially running your, I like to say like kind of running your battery down. And so what I imagine it as is like a a house where you keep getting burglars in the house, like they keep bothering you, you know, whatever the burglars are, they could be food proteins, they could be, um, they could be bacteria, candida, any number of things, so gut infections, but they keep entering the house illegally, triggering the alarm system over and over and over again, to the point where the alarm system can't go off because you have so many 
intruders coming in all the time. And it becomes bombarded to the point where eventually the battery of the alarm system is going to run down and it becomes really a, a challenge for the body and at that point to handle that many challenges. Because the body is amazing. But it can only do so much to help you after a certain point it hits a threshold where it's like, I'm really stuck here. Can you help me out? <laughs> Throw me a, a lifeline, please, here. Like, figure mm-hmm. something. That's that's usually with the sign of when you're not feeling well in some way, shape, or form. This is a sign that your body is looking for help. It needs your help. And so this inflammation, that's what I was referring to, of like, I lost, like, about 20 pounds of inflammation, was this puffiness. My immune system was on overdrive because it was constantly being glutened many times a day on top of all these other food proteins that were essentially (sighs) causing issues within my gut. Um, You know, again, even the act of having, and I mentioned this before, like of chronic diarrhea is really inflammatory for your digestive system. And oftentimes the immune This inflammation will arise um, predominantly through the gut, which is why when you work with a functional practitioner like myself, we usually start with the gut if there's some sort of challenge that would be gut-rooted because you'll get the most bang for your buck starting there. It will usually help so many other symptoms and systems that that's the best place to start. And, um, you know, you want to take out things that trigger or inflame it's just like it's got there's got to be this balance between the immune system and a sense of normalcy because when the immune system starts to turn on you or is turned up too loud um it can ultimately turn into an autoimmune disease which is not helpful and what a lot of people don't fully realize about autoimmunity which i wish they did know is that if you are still consuming foods that bother you when I say bother you that are like food sensitivities or even allergies, outright food allergies, um, or you have these chronic gut infections, they can even be low lying gut infections. Like they don't have to be like some like major, uh, you know, C, uh, C diff infection that lands you in the hospital. It could be something low lying. Um, those things all create problems in the system so that you cannot get better, and your body is so busy fighting them and dealing with them that it's just trying to, like, it's like whack-a-mole, <laughs> like trying desperately mm-hmm. to keep daily functions going, even though it is under assault and being triggered left and right. And that's why oftentimes people with autoimmune disease aren't getting better and why they will oftentimes end up with more autoimmune diseases because the inflammatory issues precipitating that disease process are constantly being pushed in the direction of more autoimmune disease because you're not eliminating the triggers from the get-go that are pushing autoimmunity and running the, the battery essentially down. So. Um, it is important to figure out what's going on. And I'll, I'll just also add to like, when you go to the gym and you work out, I think it's really important. And I know it's really important to have a really smart and intelligent workout program that doesn't overtax the system because there is a balance. Chris, I'm sure you talk about this at your gym. There's a really important balance between being smart about how much you work out and not going to like over exercise mode because too much exercise can increase the leakiness within the gut 
So that can contribute mm -hmm. to leaky gut factor. Um, and then also too, if you start using NSAIDs like uh, um, ibuprofen, that kind of stuff after your workouts all the time, because you've got a lot of aches and pains, there's a lot of dangers with that. Um, not just, and they're very well noted within scientific literature that is at a side effect of the NSAID drugs are like ulcerations, bleeding mm -hmm. ulcers within the GI tract, they also yep. increase leaky gut factors. So if you really have a lot of stomach issues, you're taking a lot of NSAIDs, I would say the first thing to do is take out the NSAIDs. The second thing, if you're working out a lot and you really have goals, I'd say find yourself a coach and, and check in with the coach to find out if maybe number one, what you're doing is not effective. Number two, if it's too much, um, there is something right. to be said for having rest days or even doing something like, I know that people like to kind of like always work out, but there's something to be said for just doing like 10 minutes of like a slow yoga that you don't have to do some super challenging pose or mm -hmm. meditating for five minutes or any number of things that you can do to help calm your mental system down because stress, no matter where it comes from, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, or you're in the car and somebody's honking at you because you're not making a right on red, whatever, all of that contributes to an inflammatory state as well. So knowing how to manage your stress appropriately is important. Um, and then eating appropriately for yourself is important too. So. Yeah, well, it's about managing, uh, I mean, if your immune system is fighting off all of these things, then it's got to pick its battles. And that's where that chronic inflammation comes from. And then those people also typically get sick in the traditional sense a lot too, right? Mm -hmm. Because their immune system is dealing with the chronic inflammation. And then you have elevated cortisol levels, which is going to store fat, which, so that's what people see around their midline, yep. um, which contributes to, uh, many different things, but, uh, and then it, you get elevated insulin, uh, and, and insulin, uh, resistance. And mm -hmm. that all stand all traces back to what people are putting in their mouths. Right. Correct. And the other point point here, just to add to that is that when you're under an incredible amount of stress, again, be it physical, emotional, mental, whatever, that will increase cortisol. Cortisol is a hormone that's produced by your adrenal glands. And um, the important thing to know is that when your body is in a state of elevated cortisol all the time, it makes it very difficult for your system to properly manage blood sugar. And it's not right. uncommon to have somebody who's having elevations in blood sugar where they're, they, they are sort of in a sense, it's like the stress is causing them to become insulin resistant, so to speak. Uh, cortisol triggers the release of sugar that's stored in your system through all the, I don't want to go, go into like all the different like scientific words because I don't know how sciencey yeah. people are, but essentially yeah. when you are, think about it, if a tiger shows up at your front door, you open the door and there's a tiger, you're now in fight or flight mode. That, right. it doesn't care about you got to eat dinner, you got to go hug your mom. That's not what your body is doing in that moment. In that moment, it needs to survive. And I know that we're not always being chased by a tiger. Probably few of us will ever be chased by a real tiger in our lives. However, the amount of stress that we are under and the way our body perceives stress um, is similar to constantly being chased by a tiger. And 
in that moment, your body is releasing sugar so that your muscles can get you the heck out of there. And Mm -hmm. if you are constantly in a stressed out state, your body thinks that your boss is the tiger, the car behind you is the tiger. So that's why I just say it's important to be realistic and to do like, don't tough it out. Tough that being tough is not going to help you manage your stress better. Being honest about what's causing stress and how much you're able to be resilient in that stress. You know, think about your anger levels. How easily are you triggered? Um, How easy are you to work through even the simplest problems? If you can't be honest with yourself, ask somebody who knows you. Be like, dude, do you think I'm stressed out? (laughs) Like, do you think, like, am I having a hard time? Do you, like, what do you, be honest with me. Tell me the truth. And just take that. Don't take it as criticism. Look at it as feedback. You know, like, you're not emotionally attached to that feedback. You're just trying to understand a picture of yourself from a third party, you know, and I think that that oftentimes can be really helpful because I know I can be self-judgmental. Many of us are. We're, we're harsher critics on ourselves than we are probably on other people oftentimes. But stress management is critical to reducing inflammation overall. Um, it's important right. to manage your blood sugar and it's important if you're going to work out and see results. Yeah. From a training perspective, we do intense workouts across it. Like that, that's just how we work out, but um, the body doesn't know that you want to work out. It is in that fight or flight mode, fight or flight mode. And when you work out, what we want is a hormetic stress, a hormesis being, you know, your body getting stronger, getting adapted to stress to be stronger in the future. But if you don't give it time to recover, uh, and that's why we tell people to take rest days, to go do yoga, to even take rest active recovery weeks. Like Mm. I am a big proponent of people coming in and moving, but for an entire week, every two or three months. So about once a quarter, um, coming in and doing 50% of, of either the weight or the rounds or the reps or, you know, basically move your body, but at not nearly the same intensity that you normally would. Um, because I think people can go hard all of the time and that's, that's also not good. More is not better. No. And it doesn't make you resilient overall, mentally or physically. Right. Right. Um, So I want to get into some tactical stuff. Um, You know, we have a good amount of families here. So parents who have young kids or teenagers, um, you know, um, couples who, uh, are either newly married or, you know, whatever the case may be, we have a good amount of families here of all shapes and sizes. Um, let's say someone's listening to this and they, they want to clean up their eating, um, but they are struggling to get the family involved. Um, or at least, you know, they either get made fun of or they get questions. Um, how do they navigate that? What are your tips or tricks to navigating either family or even social situations with like friends? You know, you go out to eat and you're the one who's ordering salad and everyone's getting pasta. Right. Um, um, I mean, I think part of it has to do with you have to stop caring so much what other people think. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, nobody's the boss of you except you. So you shouldn't really care. I know this sounds like utterly impractical to some degree, but you have to stop caring what other people think. Like 
so what? They make a joke. I'd be like, yeah, well, at least I'm going to go home and not be sick on the toilet tonight. So, or, like, I usually would say something to the effect, like, like, how come you're not getting pasta? Because my dad will still ask me to go to, like, his favorite Italian restaurant, which I can't go eat at. And I'm like, yeah, dad, mm-hmm. well, I'm not, you're not the one that has to deal with the diarrhea tonight. So mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, like, I'm to a point where, like, I can make light of it and, and be pokey and punchy with it. But not everybody's there. I would say that, like, if you're struggling to figure out how do you go out and be healthier, you have to take control of the situation and start being the person to suggest the restaurants. Figure out places that you can go where you can have a meal that is acceptable to you and that other people will enjoy. And you sell it to them based off of what you think they would like about the restaurant. Don't fixate on yourself. People don't care about you. They care about themselves. So, you know, people are like, something's come up. Hey, let's go out to lunch. I'm going to list off like two or three restaurants I know I can eat at. And I'm going to tell them why they would love those restaurants. I don't talk about myself. Like, they don't care if I can eat gluten-free there or not. Usually we're sitting there and they're like, are you going to be able to eat something? It takes them that long to, to think about me. And it's fun. Mm-hmm. I don't care. But you have to put yourself in the driver's seat. Um, and I think it's really hard, especially for women who aren't used to doing that. We're constantly used to caretaking and accommodating others. And it's like, no, you have to be a little bit pushy here and put yourself first. But when it comes to the family, um, you know, it, I think part of it is who is the cook in the house? If you're the cook and everybody's relying on you, then you have to have sort of like, you got to sit down with your spouse, first of all, before you sit with the kids, because the the kids are taking their cues from the parents. And so if you have one, your, your spouse or partner or whomever is the one undermining this, you need to sit down with them and be like, look, if this was you, I'd be on board with this. And I need to know what is underlying your resistance toward helping me actually feel physically better. Because it's not about the food. It's about something else within one's relationship. So you need to sort those issues out in order to get everyone on the same team. And maybe you even have to be very, very like graphic with that person about all the symptoms that you experience. And actually say to them, like, do you want that for me? Because this is causing, like, legitimate suffering. Is this what you want for me? Because you say you love me. Is this what you want? And ask that person, if you really have trouble, go to counseling. Because I have a lot of clients that there is a serious rift within their family for years and years and years where the husband and the kids make fun of the wife who has these problems and taunt them and all sorts of them, like, go to counseling. Um, If you're just trying to get people on board, I would focus on, like, number one, repetition, That's always important. It takes people a number of tries in order to change their food habits. My husband used to hate mushrooms. He loves mushrooms now. He used to only eat green beans as his vegetable. And now he tells me sometimes that I don't put enough vegetables in things. So it can change um, for sure. It just takes time and it's not going to necessarily happen in two days or two weeks or maybe not even in two months. It may take years where you're just slowly adding a little bit more healthy things to the, the meals and menus that you make. Um, what I would, I always suggest, even if you're like going gluten-free, because I think the mistake is like all of a sudden I'm going to buy all these products is, you know, sit down with the family and say, look, I want to start planning our meals out. Um, what do you want to eat this week? 
And then from there, look up a version of the recipe that you can start swapping out things that like maybe you go from soy sauce to coconut aminos. Maybe you take out the white sugar and you put coconut palm sugar because it's a little bit lower of a glycemic index. It has more minerals. Um, maybe you, instead of doing like, you're like, hey, let's do burrito bowls. Like those are really easy, an easy way to like healthify things because then you can add some greens and you can add some other like your uh grilled veggies and stuff like find ways to add vegetables in and get your kids excited about them by helping you prepare them um, like really being excited about the colors um, there's a lot of great resources too about ways to get kids involved but kids usually like like baby type things like baby carrots baby the, like the little uh, cherry tomatoes and stuff they're sweeter like I have purple mm -hmm. peppers like that's really cool purple pepper they, but by the way, they don't cook. When you cook them, they turn green. So if you're going to do purple <laughs> peppers and purple beans, green beans as well, you have to uh, keep them um, raw if you want the purple color to, to persist. But having fun with colors is an amazing thing to do. Getting kids to the farmer's market, taking them to berry picking, like get them more, make your events and activities more centered around healthy food, real food, and that will get them interested in the process. Um, I would just say um, if you have a history of disordered eating, so like maybe you're like a really big dieter earlier in life and you, you know, believe in counting calories and being very restrictive with all sorts of things, um, I would just say that you need to be mindful about how you talk about food with your kids so that you don't end up um, teaching them the things that you know probably weren't best shared with you in a younger life. I mean, I know like I spent a long time dealing with my fat phobia, <laughs> you know, because I grew up, you, you know, Chris, we grew up during the age when it was really bad to eat anything with fat in it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to be careful that those things don't translate to your kids. I was never a chronic dieter, but I know a lot of people who are. And they would make comments about themselves and about food and about, oh, mommy's eating too much. Mommy's getting fat, like right in front of the kids. And you got to be really careful because the kids pick up on that. So if you're having trouble with that, go get help. Like go talk to like um, a coach or your, your like you guys have coaches. You know, you guys could probably even help people with their languaging around food and their relationships with food that's really important. Or of course, comes to worse, just find someone to talk to, a counselor that can help you develop a healthier relationship with food. That way you can inspire your kids with healthy guidelines as opposed to regurgitating unconsciously those more negative um, relationships that we unfortunately grew up with not knowing any better. Yeah, language is important. But I think the takeaway of making things fun and also explaining yeah. your reasoning and bigger than just food, right, yeah. um, I think is important. What would you say to someone who, who, um, who thinks they have no symptoms? Uh, like, is it worth taking out gluten for people who feel or who say they feel fine? Well, I think the thing is um, – Gluten, so there's two two quick things. Um, number one, not all symptoms are digestive. That's very mm -hmm. important. You can have zero digestive system symptoms and have an issue with gluten. Number two, every single person um, 
Well, that's not, I don't want to word it like that. I was going to say every person is, is sensitive to gluten, but that's not true. Gluten has this like magic power. Like it almost has like a magic wand where with every single person, it creates an increase in the leakiness of the gut. Now, the, the thing is that some of us have the capacity to deal with that. And they can, they are in a state where they can bring the gut back to normal after a certain period of time. Whereas other people like myself and those with celiac disease and autoimmune diseases don't have that same capacity. So gluten affects us for a much um, greater and longer period of time. Mm-hmm. So every single, so I, I am very cautious in saying everyone should not eat something like I would never say gluten is evil or the devil because I think it again feeds into this mindset that we create more food fear than we do empowerment around making better and more individualized choices. Mm -hmm. What I would say is you, you should write down all the symptoms that you have. It doesn't matter if they don't make sense or they're not connected. If you have an autoimmune disease, I'm going to tell you right there that gluten's probably something that should be on the chopping block. Um, if, if you have a lot of other symptoms, again, like I had, who would have put this together? Headaches, skin rashes, um, diarrhea, uh, fatigue and slept too much at night. I got sick all the time. Who would have guessed that it was gluten? Like who, you know what I'm saying? Like I, that's why I'm saying write it all down and be honest. And if you forget and you're not sure, ask your spouse, they always know, (laughs) or your sister or your mother and say, is there something I'm missing here? It could even be anxiety, depression, um, foggy mind syndrome, or especially if you go out to an Italian restaurant and you've not drank any wine, or you go to like some place where you have eaten a lot of gluten or the bread basket, and again, you've not drank any alcohol and you feel almost drunk, like your brain is sort of swimming in something, um, that's actually a sign of gluten issues. Um, so again, you, you just have to think about like, and two, if you have beer, how does beer affect you? How, how do you feel after you have um, bread or whatever? And especially if you're addicted to these things, like I was a breadaholic, I couldn't stop myself. I just kept eating it. Again, I'm not saying that that is a sign, that is a definite sign for every person, but you should write these things down and create a list and say, well, maybe I could take out gluten for like two weeks and see how I do. To be honest with you, it's really not that hard. It's not that long of a period of time, and it's not going to hurt anything. If you really discover that, wow, my symptoms changed dramatically, then I would say at that point you want to sit down and talk to somebody because you need to determine at that point whether you you should go get tested for celiac disease, you should look for other things um, before just fully taking out gluten. I would say that that's my biggest regret, and it wasn't my fault because I didn't know any better, but I really do wish that I had gotten tested for celiac disease before I took gluten out for such a long period of time because now I'd have to go back and eat it for six weeks and I just can't do that. I would be really, really sick within like two days of doing that. So, um, you know, I wish I knew. And, um, unfortunately I have to take steps in order to make sure that I stay healthy, um, based on a health factor that I have, I'm not sure about. So that would be my only thing. Um, don't be afraid to reach out for health, just like you do with your fitness. Um, it doesn't have to be a long-term commitment either. Sometimes it's just, you need some guidance and, um, yeah, but gluten is not always 
it's not going to kill you. And it's also not going to kill your family, by the way. If you need to be gluten-free, it is not going to kill your family to make the kids and everybody else gluten-free at home. And they can eat whatever the heck they want outside of the house. No, no one's going to get sick. No one's ever died from avoiding gluten. There's plenty of other nutritious things that you can do. As long as you're having a nutritious, eating a nutritious diet, um, please don't buy into that notion that... You, your family, God forbid, they're going to be gluten-free at home. That's just, that's silly. And that's a lot of, um, I would say media hype that they use to scare people away from playing around with their diet. Um, yeah. So that'd be my two cents. Last question. Uh, what are your thoughts on gluten-free, uh, things, gluten-free bread, gluten-free things labeled as gluten-free, not, um, you know, so, so not, um, Vegetables and fruits and, right. and all that that are naturally gluten-free, but, you know, gluten-free snacks and gluten-free cookies and, you know. Well, yeah, they're very processed, a lot of them. Um, some are getting better. Like, there's some really great paleo options out there now. They're, it's definitely gotten a lot better. I would just say... Um, I'm not, I used to be a lot more hardcore than I am at the moment. And I think part of it's come from the the notion that, like, we live in a real world, and while I would love to think that I could make everything from scratch, that's not practical. So, like, for me, if I buy a bag of gluten-free bread, which actually I did, like, two weeks ago, it's still in the refrigerator. <laughs> so I don't eat gluten-free bread very often. Um, I'll have maybe a, a gluten-free sandwich once in a while. Like, I think two weeks ago we had gluten-free BLTs. That was, <laughs> that was about it um, mm -hmm. for lunch on a Saturday. But... You know, I would say don't depend on it as a staple of your diet. Be mindful of proportion sizes. Try to find the healthiest variety of it, but don't kid yourself in thinking because you're having brown rice pasta that somehow it's healthier than white rice pasta or corn pasta. It's all processed. And um, try your best to, to really fill up the gaps with healthier options um, like you know, where you can do sweet potatoes instead of white potato. Although I don't think white potatoes are the devil, you know, either. I, I right. think like we've gotten right. into this idea of like trying to demonize food and I don't, I mean, gluten-free products. I mean, I'll, truth be told, like sometimes I have to buy them in order to travel because I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like if there's going to be something at the next airport that I'm going to be able to eat. So they serve a purpose for sure. sure. Um, I would just say, be honest with yourself about how many, how much you're eating and try your best to do meal prep. So that way the majority of your food, like 85% is mm -hmm. real food. And then right. if you want to have some gluten-free pizza on a Friday night, or you want to have, I don't know, go to uh, Elevation Burger and have the fries and, you know, with a lettuce wrap or something, like don't feel bad about it, you know? Right. I think that's right. that's almost worse is to stress yourself out. But but again, I would just be very mindful of how much of it you consume. I always think eighty five percent real food is probably the best way to go. Yep, and then use that fifteen or twenty percent to allow for times where, out of convenience or whatever the case may be, that it's it's somewhat in that gray area. Exactly. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want our audience to know or to think about or to, you know, any parting words? Yeah, I would say that if you're 
at the beginning of your journey or maybe like you, what I'm saying or my story, any part of it really resonates with you or you're struggling with like digestive problems or whatever, and you've tried or you're going to try to figure it out on your own, which I completely commend. I, I did the same. Um, I would give yourself like a 30 to 60 day guideline. If you, after 30 to 60 days, do not feel remarkably better, not like a little bit better, like remarkably better, it's time to ask for help. Uh, the reason is that there is a very disturbing trend going on in the nutrition world where people are unfortunately spending way too much time, like years and years, screwing around with their diet, becoming increasingly restrictive. Like, oh my gosh, maybe it's the lettuce that's making me sick. Maybe it's the strawberries. Maybe it's the sweet potatoes. Maybe I should go AIP and do all these like very restrictive diets. Maybe I just need to keep and stay on the whole 30 or whatever it may be. And they don't actually get better. You have to ask for help. It's it's very it's very inappropriate to continue to try to do it yourself. It's like, you know, it's like Chris, it's like me trying to work out on my own. It doesn't really work out too well. That's why mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. I've pretty much always had a trainer <laughs> for much of my adult life because I recognize that I want somebody with more experience and outside perspective and such because oftentimes when people aren't getting better, it's because they have those underlying gut infections or hidden food sensitivities or something that you could figure that out in a much shorter and easier period of time, fix it and get on with your life instead of spending years whittling your diet down to like five things. Cause that's a really big concern within the community. And especially I have a good friend, Laura Schoenfeld. Some of you, you know, if you get more into paleo and stuff, she, she uh, was one of the dietitians under Chris Kresser, you know, and she works with women that are in CrossFit who've just like, they burn themselves out and they end up with serious adrenal fatigue. They're on a very restrictive diet. They're really sick. And it takes a long time to get their health back as a result. And she's like, I wish that they had just asked for help earlier on. Like this could have all been avoidable. So don't wait too long in your journey to ask for help because it just means the longer you're sick, the more time it's going to take to build yourself back up. And there are people out there like myself that deal with very specific issues that can help you figure it out so you can get back, I don't know, to being free, essentially, because that's what this is all about, is about living a normal life, feeling free. Um, so that'd be my, my last two cents. And, uh, you know, you can feel free, everyone, you can come and visit me at uh, glutenfreeschool.com. I've got recipes and I have a podcast as well. And um, What's the name of the podcast? For- uh, it's not very creative. It's a gluten-free school podcast. <laughs> um, and you have a book. I do. I have a book called The Savvy Gluten-Free Shopper, How to Eat Healthy Without Breaking the Bank. Um, and there's plenty of content over on my website that's both about gluten, the gluten-free diet itself and how to do it, but as well as like a lot of these uh, more health challenge issues that we've discussed today, a lot of articles about like leaky gut and skin issues and diarrhea and such over on my website as well. So there's plenty of good information to, to sort through there for yourself, but I hope everybody will come and check it out and feel free to drop me a line or send me an email or whatnot through the website. I definitely read everybody's stuff and try and get back to them. Awesome. That is a great amount of information for them to digest pun intended. Um, (laughs) So I really appreciate your time. I know we went way over what I thought we would, but um, it, it, I even feel like in 
this amount of time we were only scratching the surface. So we'll probably have to revisit some of these ideas more in depth. But um, I want to end it there to let you get on with your day. Uh, so thank you very much for your time, Jen. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me, Chris. No problem. Take care. Hey, folks, thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFit Kana, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, uh, tag us on social media using hashtag Kana questions, K-A-N-N-A questions, and we will look for those and use them for future podcasts. Until then, have a great day.